You're listening to Second Stories, created and produced by Second Story with me, Abigail Brocker, as your host. Second Story is a nonprofit based in Northern Virginia, working to provide safe havens and opportunities to grow and thrive to youth in crisis and their families. We help homeless youth and youth in crisis step away from their first story, one often marked by abuse, hardship, and crisis, and write their own second story, full of hope and promise. This is a second story's topical episode. These episodes look at one of the stories from this season and inspect one of the challenges we've been learning about. We've already been hearing about some of these abstract challenges in a personal context through each guest. And now we're taking these stories and placing them as part of a larger picture. Growing up is hard. Even with the most supportive parents, myriad opportunities, wonderful friends, and a top-notch education, adolescence is confusing, awkward, and isolating. Sometimes even with unfathomable love between parents and children, it can feel like everyone is speaking a different language. And when emotions are already running high, it doesn't take long for things to become nearly toxic. Now add in some stressors, things to shake up an already fragile existence, divorce, adoption, abuse, trauma, communication breaks down, relationships fracture, and it can be hard to find peace again. In some of their most tender years, young people need stability and support at home, but this isn't always possible, and the stakes can be high. Tina Seeley, Program Manager for Second Story for Teens in Crisis, Lucy, who you heard from last episode, and Lucy's mom, Penny, join us today to talk about family trauma, what it can mean for young people, and the ways that families can work to recreate supportive and understanding places to thrive together. Thank you so much to everyone for being here. Thank you, Lucy and Penny. Lucy's story, we've already heard. Penny, we've heard a lot about you, and I'm really looking forward to actually hearing from you because we heard about you in Lucy's episode. And we also are joined today by Tina, who is Second Story's program manager for Second Story for Teens in Crisis. So I'm going to let Tina, since we haven't heard from her yet, introduce herself. Tell us just a little bit about her background and why she's the one talking to us today. Well, thank you for having me. Um, Tina Seeley, like Abigail said, I'm the program manager for Second Story for Teens in Crisis. Um, I have been in this position since 2015. Um, I originally started my tenure with Second Story as an intern during my master's program. So I have a master's in clinical mental health counseling from George Washington University. Um, and I have been working with at-risk youth since 2011. I also do most of the family therapy here at Second Story for Teens in Crisis. Yeah, so Tina currently manages the program that Lucy went through. Just to kind of set us up, Tina, can you give us a little bit of background in how, you know, with Lucy's story, it was divorce, but just generally some other kind of breakdown in family structure or some kind of trauma within the family how that can impact a young person. So I know sometimes that can look like adoption, moving in with another family member, divorce, can be a wide range of things, but can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Sure. So anytime there's instability in the family, it it causes issues with young people, um, especially when a divorce or traumatic event, poverty, um, adoption happens at a young age. It does kind of impact the role that each parent plays with the youth and the youth's relationship with each parent. Um, if if there are two parents present, obviously, um, family structure is unique to each situation. Um, and each set of circumstances lends itself to a variety of different issues um, between attachment, um, following the rules, um, who is the 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 person in the family that sets the rules, enforces the rules, um, especially within a divorce family or family with um, multiple parents, step parents, there those roles can get a little bit blurred. So one thing that I think is interesting that um, Lucy talks about really well in her story that I know we see at our program too. We had like kind of a, an um, exchange Lucy where you were saying yeah I started kind of rebelling making some risky choices and it's clear to me now that I was doing it because of some instability but like you know you didn't realize it at the time I know we see that too in the program Tina so can you talk about that is that more common um, maybe how are some of those ways that tension in the home can manifest itself in choices that a young person might make sure um, obviously adolescent years are um motivated a lot by peers and then the the outside these external um motivators that uh, youth want to fit in they want to be accepted they want to be liked by their peers um and sometimes that might be engaging in behaviors that are contradictory to the family values or if there maybe is a lack of supervision at home then there might not be that um, motivating force that that they have to follow rules at home. Um, so definitely creates some challenges. Yeah. And Lucy, I know one of the things that you said was, you know, there's not really anyone in the background saying, this is why you're doing this or that. But that is kind of where our program comes in. So Tina, what are some ways that we do that productively to kind of put those pieces together. So we try and help the youth that come through our doors really explore what their own personal values are and how that matches up with their parents' values um, and how to make sure that those values are congruent with the goals that they have for themselves. So if they want to go to college and and they want to have a, a job in, in the government, uh, making sure that they're not making decisions in, in their in their adolescence that are going to be prohibitive to that those goals and helping them kind of link those that decision making where there is a potential long-term repercussion for decisions made in adolescence not only for physical safety but especially now with the internet there are so many um so many things that employers can look for um, that may prevent someone from getting a job uh, in the future so we want to make sure that they are, the youth here are are aware of all of these things, and really just helping them become a little bit more self aware of of why they're making these decisions. Um, is it because they want to? Is it because their friends want them to? Is it in spite of their parents? They're angry at their parents, and they know that their parents value sobriety, so they're going to go out and and drink to 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 create that 
upheaval at home. This is interesting, too, because we've heard a lot about this from Lucy, but the parent slash guardian is such a force in this, too. So, Penny, I'm really curious when one of the metaphors that Lucy used that I love that um, I want to get back to later is saying that like her anger is kind of like shrapnel, like affecting everyone in her life. One of those people being you. Were you able to see there are some things going on at home and that's why she's reacting like this? Or were you just confused? How did that feel for you? So on one hand, there was a lot of guilt that I had because I was working early mornings and I wasn't available. So I thought, surely this was something that I was doing uh, or not doing, um, paying attention, paying enough attention to her. I studied clinical mental health, by the way. Interesting. Wow. So that gives you a whole nother layer for this. Well, I know that Lucy is this total extrovert and she, she absolutely loves people. And she had this, you know, these groups of friends that she wanted acceptance in order to relate to those friends. She would try and make her life seem so miserable. Maybe it was, and I feel guilty about you know, once again, about my not being available. I think she really tried to have a, you know, something to relate to them on. Well, it sounds to me, tell me if I'm wrong, that there were two things going on here. First of all, there was some confusion, which makes sense because you were also in, you were in there with her. Like you weren't really having this objective bird's eye perspective. You were with her every day and you were part of the family and part of raising her. So there was confusion, but also it sounds like there was a lot of emotion going into it, which, which as we know, emotion can sometimes, it just adds this whole nother layer to how we see things. So like you had your own stuff going on with feeling this guilt and trying to sort through how to be a good parent. So I think that's interesting too, Tina. I know that sometimes we're all more on the same page than we think we are, but there's a lot of misunderstanding that's just kind of clouding our judgment. How does that come into play and and how can family counseling help with that? So one of the reasons I really, really enjoy doing family counseling is because we have the opportunity to have all parties present in the same room talking about the things that are most upsetting to them. And one thing I love being able to do is kind of point out things that I can notice that because these interactions have been long ingrained and and if the young person says something about um, something that might be a little bit triggering to the parent or upsetting to them, I get to point out how that parent reacts and how that then causes the youth to have a a certain reaction. So we get to bring to light um, some of these maladaptive communication patterns and then just kind of get on the same page. It might be that the young person needs the adult to say something in a different way for them to be able to hear it. It's not that they're trying to be defiant. It's that they're not understanding or that the parent needs the young person to, to display a behavior in a way that they understand or is more congruent with their value system. So I really like being able to kind of point out those small, small things that actually are really big things in, in how the, how smooth and how well a family operates together. Yeah. Can you guys talk about that, Penny and Lucy, about the whole family counseling experience, what it did to each of you individually, and then how that contributed to healing in your family? 
I actually totally agree with what you just said, Tina. It makes a big difference for your, it's like a translation, basically. You know, you're so like wrapped up in the emotion behind it that you can't really see straight and you can't, you know, see the logic of what somebody else is saying. And then it's generationally not, not necessarily like age-wise, but you know, your parent to child relationship, like you don't, you don't understand what the parent's going through because I've never been there, right? I've never, I don't know what it's like to work and have kids and everything. And then, you know, it's been time since you've been a teenager and my teenagerhood is different from your teenagerhood, mom. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little bit different, obviously, like being a parent now, you do see it <laughs> in a different perspective. But but the translation of trying to get my kid to understand what I'm talking about is impossible, having a third person there to say, okay, well, let's maybe figure out how to rephrase this. And here's a, a suggestion, you know, because again, both of you have emotion in there. And so, you know, me trying to rephrase how I'm talking to my kids, you know, there's still that like frustration behind it. So it doesn't still always translate correctly. So I, I like having a group therapy or family therapy or couples, whatever it is to, to have that intermediary. And when you don't know either, you know, especially as a younger person, you don't really know. Or a good example is my husband. He's never done therapy. has no, you know, concept of that, you know, notion at all. So he wouldn't realize that that's a big part of that communication side of it. So, and then again, as a teenager, you're kind of oblivious. (laughs) Well, something you said is really interesting that we hear a lot more too. And that is that um, you just needed to get away. Like Lucy was okay with it because she just needed a break. And that's something that we hear a lot with the program is that um, like there are a good amount of young people who just come to the program because they just need a break. So Tina, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that and how that can be so helpful. Mm -hmm. So certainly there are um, most of the situations that that young people come to us in are are crisis. Um, And these are self-defined crises. So it... It is whatever stresses that family out to a point where something needs to change. And the youth coming to us provides them the opportunity to to get that change. And then for the staff here to work with the youth um, individually and then the family counselors to work with the family system as a whole because the issue is very rarely, if ever, the youth only. It is a combination of things um, that have gotten the family to the crisis or boiling point where they need to come and seek our services. There's another thing that you said, Lucy, that this just made me think of that I think is really interesting. I want to get Tina's take on this. You made some comment like um, you felt like you were kind of leaving before you could be left. Like that there was maybe this fear of abandonment, fear of things changing, but it seemed like it was kind of in a low-key way. You were running away in terms of wanting to spend a lot of time on your own, not really wanting to spend as much time with your family, which is kind of similar to what we see with the with the program, too, of young people running away. I think that's so interesting to think about abandonment in those terms. So, Tina, do we see that sometimes, like a young person being so afraid of being abandoned or fearing a lack of love or support that they just decide they're going to leave rather than going through that pain. Absolutely. Um, it's a lot easier to have a mindset of if I'm doing this on my own, someone can't hurt me. It's my decision. I haven't been left by anyone. I haven't been abandoned by anyone. I made the decision to leave. I'm in control. Mm-hmm. 
So certainly it's a, it's a maladaptive way to address the problem and results in a multitude of different issues, puts the youth at risk um, for many different <laughs> negative life experiences. Um, but I certainly do understand why, why it happens. Um, so that's why we really want to focus on how we can empower the young people we work with to, to be in control, but in the situation of living with their parents. Um, so improving communication skills, improving uh, coping skills so that if there is a fight at home, then, then they know what they can do without having to run away and leave the situation. They can, they can tolerate that uncomfortableness um, for a period of time until it, until it ends or until they are able to talk to another adult or go to their therapy session. Yeah. Lucy, does any of that sound familiar to you at all? Yeah, the sense of control aspect, that I think it was kind of the biggest thing for me and Bill is <laughs> yeah. um, in a lot of ways as an adult. That, that's a huge one, I guess, uh, especially, again, you know, the emotional side of it. It's such a roller coaster as a teenager. Right. You know, everything like you, you I mean, it's not that you recognize it, but you're like, ah! you know, I mean, it's like we said, the shrapnel thing. I mean, that's the emotional aspect, just like explosive um and even as an adult you know i find myself feeling like that too it's like okay we gotta reel it back lucy <laughs> and then it does translate into that sense of control you know i make a decision in that moment or i bring up a thing in the middle of a fight or something and it is like to get that upper hand of control so i mean that that really makes a lot of sense actually yeah i want to talk more about what you just said that we've kind of touched on already that whole like um like your anger exploding like shrapnel and your emotions. I think that's something that would bring a young person to this program too, is there's one thing going on that they're not really sure, like we've been talking about, not really sure what it is, but it's the shrapnel per se mm -hmm. that makes everyone realize, oh, we got to do something about this. Can you guys talk about what that was like? Um, I had to be a counselor myself, a psychologist to understand what was going on. Um, Lucy is my oldest. I have a younger boy that's four years younger. So this was all new territory to me. A right brain artist type. It was <laughs> way out of my, my, my realm of thinking. So when I talked to a psychologist, he really helped me walk through her um, shrapnel. You know, I have to say what I was amazed at, how quickly things were resolved because of the intervention. Um, something that really impressed me and I was so pleased with. I agree. I felt that too. It was really like instant, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then like you said too, like the, just being able to kind of escape for a minute, you know, like take a deep breath. Everybody can just relax <laughs> for a second. It's like going on vacation. You can't learn if you're in a crisis, but as soon as you remove yourself from that crisis, you do have the ability to learn those new skills. Yeah. And the thing about family, right, is that like that is your home base. Like, I feel like that's why family crisis is so much more high stakes is you can't really escape from your family. No. Nope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that intervention sometimes is so much more important. It was hard. I mean, on a daily basis to go through that. Once I understood it from a psychological point of view, from this person I was seeing, uh, he, he made a diagnosis and all of a sudden things became very clear that I had never studied before when I was in school. I think I became a lot more, 
understanding of what she needed when I saw what what the pattern was. So that made a big difference. Well, one of the themes I think we keep touching on is just the value in um, just trying to dig in and understand really what's going on. That's one of the things that we try mm-hmm. to do in the program is to really get in and identifying a person's values and helping them understand how their decisions have long-term impacts. And I mean, that's one thing that you guys keep saying. Once you understood why you were acting the way you were acting, Lucy, Penny, what mm-hmm. your family needed, that was the key to all of this. Right. We had to see patterns of things like if we told her this is exactly what we're going to be doing and stuck to that plan, she felt a little more secure. I'm very spontaneous and I'm able to, to, you know, fly out the door on a whim, but she needed to know what was coming next and when and why and, and what time and so on. And I think I didn't get that until I talked to a psychologist and he said, yeah, that's, you know, she needs, she needs form. She needs to be, you know, held together with you know parameters. And that's um, really interesting, mom, actually. To my kids, you know, I, I'm very similar now. And my my oldest, we're, we kind of have a hard time too. And he's very much like that. He needs that structure. Well, that also sounds like something that we have mentioned here with family counseling is just trying to help both sides understand just because you think this way, there would be so much better communication if we could see this from a different perspective, um, which sounds exactly mm-hmm. like what you're saying. And Tina, I'm wondering about that from you too, because I know um, our program has like a very strict schedule. There's a big reason for that, which is indicative, I think, of what we're talking about. Can you talk about that, about how that structure we see in our program, it just generally makes a big difference for this? Sure. So um, there's a very clear expectation of what's going to happen during the day, what behavior needs to be engaged in during the day. And we kind of take that guessing out of the the situation. Um, We're very upfront. There's nothing that may be anxiety provoking because it is as a for a, a young person to have little control in their life because of because they're a minor and they're they have kind of to do what their parents say there there is that unknowing um so here it's very clear as to what the day is going to look like every day which then sometimes can be monotonous but <laughs> not anxiety producing Right. Which, Lucy, sounds so much like what you needed at the time, which makes you, I think, one of many (laughs) in terms of young people in your position. Yeah, the monotony was good. It was like a meditative kind of state, which, I mean, you know, mom and I would always done that when you're, you know, meditating while washing dishes because it is that monotony. But, um, you know, when it's sort of on, it's a different situation, I guess. You're doing it for your own living space versus because somebody's telling you. I mean, you are telling us to do that, obviously, but, you know, it was more about, like, take care of your area. And and I had a really hard time with that form because I needed, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, the exact opposite, you know, as, a, as an artist mm-hmm. and so on. So for me to try and figure out or, or to, you know, I needed someone to tell me that this is what you needed. Because um, mm-hmm. I kept trying to let you just, you know, do your own thing, man. You <laughs> know, <laughs> Uh, not what you needed at all yeah that's interesting still not what I need at all well I think that's another really great component of the family therapy that we do here is that we are helping to identify the not only the needs of the young person but the parents needs because it is 
it might be that the the parent has all of their stuff going on in their life and they're not able to meet their child's needs, which then causes the child to misbehave, which makes it more difficult for the parent to deal with their stuff. So kind of just identifying those needs and making sure that everyone is getting their needs met. Mm. Yeah. And about the schedule too, Lucy, for you, you were feeling all this chaos and like you're saying, this explosion of your emotions and that rigidity of the schedule might have been soothing in that way. Like it's the exact opposite from what you were feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I have one last question for you, Lucy. After all of this and after the upbringing that you had, um, which, you know, we've talked about a lot is really quite universal. Like half of children have divorced parents. How do you feel mm-hmm. like that upbringing and the divorce has impacted you going forward? I never really wanted to get married and I don't, it's subconsciously maybe a direct result of my childhood, but, um, I was engaged right out of high school and realized that was crazy and broke that off. And then really was like, you know, I'm happy to stay in a relationship for a while, but, you know, I'm not doing this. And then my husband and I met and it was rather intense of a relationship. Uh, We probably wouldn't have stayed together, but we got pregnant after a year and we lost the baby. She was Mm. out of of utero for two days and we lost her. So that was kind of an intensely like brought us together even more sort of thing but our relationship has always been very tumultuous yeah so and we did decide that you know we're ready to try again have kids and kind of stay together it was like all right the marriage thing is sort of this extraneous like piece of paper that we have to sign to kind of satisfy the taxes and the parents and everything so there was that part of it but losing our daughter was kind of a the glue aspect for us too um in a lot of ways But on the flip side, you know, having seen what our parents go through, have gone through, and and I will say both of my parents, Mom, I'm sure you agree, are are both very happy with their second spouses. Mm. Yeah, so Um, you have that perspective, too. You have both. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, there is that benefit. But I saw how hard, you know, the step-parent thing was to the other parent, and that's difficult in thinking about that with my husband, et cetera, et cetera. And then that step-parent influence on my kids, you know, that still hurts. I'm sure that hurts for everybody thinking about that. This past week was almost a make it or break it for us at several points. I mean, there's certainly an amount of love that we do still have for each other, but it gets muddled, right? As time goes on, every marriage is like that. We both feel like it's very important to kind of figure out how to make it work because of our children. If we didn't have the kids, that's probably would have been it this weekend. You know what I mean? So because of them, we've kind of sat back and said, okay, because we feel that we have to stay together for the children, that means we now have to work on our relationship so that it's not a toxic living environment for the kids. Because of course we could stay living together, but if we're, you know, screaming at each other all the time, that's worse. (laughs) So if we're figuring it out, we are figuring it out. And then, you know, in a lot of ways, I think it does make our relationship stronger and it's certainly a hard road and we hit bumps like just you know, not as bad as it was this past week, but frequently, you know, we are similar in a lot of ways. We're both painfully stubborn. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it's sort of scared us into saying, okay, well, kind of no matter what, we'll figure it out. We might need like a day apart or whatever, but, um, but that's, 
that's how it is. Yeah, it sounds like part of the reason you've been able to think critically about your relationship is because you've you know exactly what the path what both paths look like you now know what a healthy marriage looks like from your parents and their second spouses and you know what it looks like to split up and what that looks like for the kids and everything and so that makes you take these decisions maybe more seriously than someone who doesn't have that perspective and that's interesting too because I think there's less focus on eliminating the crisis I think from our program and more focus on coaching the in person to address their reaction right Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I don't think that it would be beneficial to try and just eliminate or take away because yeah. one that kind of diminishes their experience that oh well, this we it can easily be taken away, so it wasn't that big of a crisis to begin with. But it's more about helping them to develop the skills to deal with the crisis because there's going to be another one that comes along. It might not be the exact same stressors, but there's going to be another challenging situation in their life that they have to deal with. So let's best prepare them for that. And that's kind of how this seems like it's played out in a sense for you too, right? Like you, it didn't go away. Yeah. There are times where it's sort of like I should be showing my kids that, you know, perseverance is really important and trying as hard as you can. But, you know, certainly there may be a point where it's like enough is enough. And to stay personally healthy, your own mental health, it might make more sense to leave, you know? So there's certainly that. But, you know, I think recognizing that we can do better, you know, that that's a big one for us too. Thank you guys both. Thanks for your honesty and for being willing to kind of dig back into some things I know that are hard. Yeah, thank you guys. And Tina, thanks for lending us your wisdom. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Second Stories. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so thankful if you rated our podcast and left us a review. Be sure to also hit subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Second Stories is created and produced by Second Story with support from our technical director, Franklin Vaughn. Second Story is a nonprofit based in Northern Virginia that works to provide safe havens and opportunities to grow and thrive to youth in crisis and their families. Learn more about what Second Story does and how you can support us at second-story.org. We hope you'll join us next time.